This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Leading Second, what's up? Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So excited that you're here today. If you lead, but you're not in charge, then Leading Second is for you. So welcome to your new tribe. Welcome home and welcome to our final series of episodes for the year. For season two, we've had an incredible year of episodes on Thursday mornings with some great conversations. And we thought we would end season two with a really significant series we're calling Culture Carriers. What we wanted to do over the course of these final episodes and this series was to give you a look at a variety of perspectives on how teams lead culture for their pastors. And I had some conversations with some of our nation's greatest churches, strong cultures, each very unique from each other. But yet, um, even in the uniqueness of culture, I think you'll see in these episodes the strength of culture and what it means to be a culture carrier on behalf of our pastors. So I pray that these episodes help you as we wrap up season two of the podcast. And to get us started, we are talking today with the great team from Shoreline City Church in Dallas, Texas. Man, I love Pastors Earl and Anika McClellan and their team with all our heart. Uh, Such a great thing God is doing at their church. Lindsay and I have had the opportunity to uh, be there quite a few times and consider them family to all of us at Leading Second. Yet over the last couple of years, their church has experienced some significant growth now growing to, I believe, four locations in Dallas, plus a location in Guatemala. And their culture is distinct, strong, and runs deep at all of their locations. And so today I'm talking with some of the key team from Shoreline City. I pray this will help you check out my conversation on being a culture carrier with Shoreline City. Well, what's up, Shoreline City team? What's going on? What's going on? How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. We're doing great. So excited and honored to be on this. So honored, man. Really, thank you so much. Hey, I'm so glad to be talking to you guys. I just have to say, I love you so much. Um, we love you. We love you. You know, we we have some history and we go back a little ways. I'm just thankful that when we stepped out a few years ago, that God saw fit to uh, let our paths cross. Lindsay and I think so highly of you and your pastors and your team. So uh, we love you guys. I was excited for this one. Can I say something real quick? I just want to honor you because you and your wife were a very strategic piece to Shoreline in in our early days. Yeah. Uh, When we first launched, we didn't know what we were doing. uh, And you uh, really helped establish that. You helped uh, build us. And uh, you definitely met, left a mark uh, mm-hmm. with our church. Mm-hmm. So well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys, so much. I, I I do love you. And you guys are in the middle of a miracle right now. I mean, your your church is is so strong and healthy. I mean, in the last in the last couple of years, what we're at, we're at multiple you know locations now around Dallas. Yeah. And um, man, I love I love what God is doing. Uh, why don't you all uh, say your names and let everybody know who we're talking to today and what you do around the church? So uh, my name is Eric Sewing, and my wife and I, Gabrielli, we oversee the Bishop Arts Oak Cliff campus just on the south side, awesome. down in Dallas. 
Uh, yep, my name is Ben Stokes, and uh, campus pastor up north, and uh, also uh, oversee a few other areas. Kind of can't really put a label on it. It's all over the place. Whatever pastor role <laughs> wants us to do. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> and my name is Casey Stokes. I'm Ben's wife, and I help him also oversee the North Campus, and I also help oversee our Global Next Gen team. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. All right. So you all are part of a great house. You have great pastors, pastors Earl and Onika McClellan, known them, loved them, respected them for a very long time. Uh, let's start with this question today, because we're going to have a conversation about being culture carriers. And we're talking about this right now on the podcast. You know, vision is the church you want, but culture is the church you have. And um, many times there's gaps between those two things. And our job is to cast vision. But then every week, what we really do is we carry culture. And I think as, as those of us who serve from the second seat, that's, I, I think maybe one of the most important things we ever do is approach a weekend or a Sunday or a location where you happen to be leading and, and um, work to bring the culture to life and carry the culture to new hearts and new rooms and and um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's let's start with this question. What is the most special thing to you about the culture of Shoreline City? I would say the most special thing about our culture is the way that we love and see people. I think um, I think our church does a great job. Uh, our pastors do a phenomenal job of seeing individuals and seeing the one um, one of the things that we say here at Shoreline City is that we are a there you are church, not a here I am church. Mm. And so um, I think the way that our team and our pastors and leaders see individuals um, for who they are is something that's really, really special. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm just going to stop right there for a second. That, and we're already we're already diving in here. But I think sometimes people get really confused on what culture is. But if everyone just heard how simple that last statement it is and how sticky it is. I mean, it is, it, I don't, I don't know if that's written on a document anywhere, but I think you guys would probably agree. That's a very important statement in your world. Yeah, I, we totally agree. Eric said it best. That, that really is our churches. We see you. Um, and I think you nailed it too on the head. I feel like we do uh, try to overcomplicate this. We try to dig into the Bible and try to find this huge theological answer to it. But it's simple. Yes. Yes. You know, Jesus's love is simple. That's who we are. So, um, that's what I, I would say the same thing. I'm just, I'm thankful that it is that simple. Uh, we also tell everybody at our church, if something was going on in your life, who is in your corner? Hmm. Uh, Who is at the hospital? Who is in the hospital room with you? Uh, who is laughing with you? Who is crying with you? And as part of that, uh, we see you culture. Um, and uh, I think it's trickled down throughout the church to where uh, from someone we wouldn't even know are surrounded by individuals from our church in the hospital room when they're going through something. So, so good. It's really, it's really beautiful. So good. Casey, what do you hope people will remember about your church when they leave on a Sunday or they leave from any environment of the church? What do you hope people will remember? So I think that our pastors um, and just all of us would hope to remember that they would remember how loved they are and how prayed for they are, because I think that some people can come in and think that it's a production or think that, um, you know, everybody's here to put on a show or it's not real or, Mm. um, 
you know, cause very much the, our society is very much of here I am. And so I really, really hope that people would feel the genuine love that we have for them, the genuine prayer that we pray for them. Yes. Um, and just that how we set the table of excellence and it's not because we want to look awesome. It's truly because we want them to feel so valued and so loved. So when people walk out of our doors and they're talking about church, I genuinely and our pastors genuinely hope that they feel super loved, valued and believed in and seen. So good. So well said. So once we kind of know what culture is and, 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 you know, that's a process in and of itself, but as the culture develops in the life of the church, let me guys ask you guys this question now. Um, what does being a culture carrier mean to each of you? I mean, what does it mean to show up on a Sunday and represent well your pastors and the culture of the house to the people that you're leading and interacting with? I mean, I would say uh, being a culture carrier is one of the most important things that we do. I mean, you know, obviously um, we're here to be an example of Christ. And um, all these things that we have as culture in our church are things that we believe um, how Jesus would carry himself. And so um, the way we love people and the way we see people and the way we serve is so pivotal to everything that we're doing. If you're not um, if the service is great, but we're not loving great, you know, I don't I don't think we're winning. You know, and I don't know if our pastor would say that we would be winning. We want to make sure that we're seeing every individual. So. How, how important is it for us to be a carrier, culture carrier? Um, I would say it's a non-negotiable. You know, mm-hmm. our pastors have done a great job of putting language to who we are. And now we, especially as campus pastors and leaders, we have to carry that just like our pastors do. And so there's no Absolutely. from that. It's good. Um, I think also just being a um Bridge builder um, is important um, for us because we do have so many campuses and also just making our pastors very present um, and making it feel unified between all of ours. Um, so that's what I would say. Let me ask you guys this question, um, because you all have been there for several years now. Um, I mean, since toward the beginning of the church. And so the church is now at a different size and more more locations, more rooms. Uh, you know, you all used to be in one building on a Sunday and now you're all spread out everywhere. So you now walk into rooms and have to lead in environments where your pastors used to be there and used to lead. In other words, um, you know, in the earlier days, you know, the Sunday morning huddle, they may do it, you know, but, but now you walk into the room and, uh, you're the one that leads it. And, and you're really standing, you know, in the gap for them, standing in place for them. I guess get real practical with me for a second. How do you approach walking into a room and realizing I am here to literally represent my pastor right now? How do you approach that moment and get it right walking into that room? Uh, I would say you have to be a student of your pastor's Um you know, sometimes we're always thinking as individuals of like, when's it going to be my turn? When am I going to leave? When am I going to do this? Literally, I feel that whenever God brings you into a church or a ministry at the, in the beginning, the best thing you can do is study your pastors. Hear how your pastors talk. 
hear how uh, they enter a room, see how they enter a room, because the moment you're tapped to go lead an area or a church, that is they're tapping you to do exactly what totally all in the early days. Yeah. So being a student of your pastor, learn how they talk. Uh, um, the, I, I think it's critical. Um, uh, I, uh, I, I'm actually so thankful that I had the opportunity to be so close to pastor Earl and Onika and learn from them. And honestly, lots of mistakes, uh, that I made, but learning from those mistakes, uh, helped me be able to do what we're doing now. I remember, I remember whenever those moments first came to pass, like where like it was the first time I had to step into a room and my pastors weren't there and it was like me leading the charge. And I remember it being scary. Yeah, it was scary. You know, like I remember being like, oh my gosh, like our pastors are awesome. I feel sorry because everybody's just stuck with me. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Uh, you feel like you're the second string quarterback. Yeah, totally, totally. Medium is now like, oh yeah. man, okay. Next <laughs> year. But I've learned that I can't make any excuses. Like I, right. it, it is a, it is my role, and God has put me in this moment to stand tall and to lead. And it's not good lead out of my own personality. Good it's to lead how I want to do things. It is for me to lead exactly how our pastors want it to be led. So good. Yeah. So really my goal is to be as much of a copy, for lack of a better term, of our pastors as I can possibly be. Not because we're into carbon copies, but because I know that if I can say things exactly how Pastor Earl says it, then there's no confusion on where we're going. It's exactly how Pastor Earl said it. You know, so I just try to be as much as Ben was saying is as much as I possibly can. No, no, you're bringing up a really good point because our generation right now loves to say that doing that is being like inauthentic, like you're not being yourself. You know, you're, you're just being a robot. You're just, you know, slave to the man, you know, kind of a thing. And I do not see it like that at all. I see it as we are multiplying you know, our, our leaders presence and they're not omnipresent and therefore they can't be in every room, but I can sure get it as close to po- as possible you know, for them to be in that room. Um, you know, even when they're not there, I know for my pastor, um, I, I, when I studied him in the early days, I noticed things like he would always run up the stairs on the platform on Sunday. Um, I, most of the time he would skip steps. That was something I noticed was, was, was normal. And finally, one day it came out in a meeting that the reason he did that was, um, he's naturally melancholy. And so he naturally wanted to move really slowly up the stairs. And so he decided I'm going to counter that. And I'm actually going to attack the platform every time I get the chance to go on it. And so actually, I mean, I tried to start doing that and I know that's so small. It's so, it's so little, but yeah, man, any way that I can just, any way that I can multiply his presence and, um, you know, multiply his thinking. I don't know. I, I, I counted little things like that even as a win. Yeah, that's great. You know, I would totally agree. I actually think the biggest growth I've ever seen in my life when it comes to my Christian walk is whenever I've become a student of pastor Earl and pastor Anika, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, there are so many scriptures in the Bible. Follow me as I follow Christ. Yep. And, um, you know, we can go on and on about that, but I just, I think that's the beauty of the church is that we're able to be these reflections of Christ. And now you, right. have, you 
have these role models. And so we're just extremely blessed and fortunate that we have such great pastors. But like I said, I saw the most growth whenever I was just like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to try to be as much as I can possibly be like Pastor Earl. And I'm still myself because my personality is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, I, I think a little bit differently, but I'm just still trying to be as much like our pastors as possible. Mm-hmm. I agree. So good. Um, so let me ask you the big question now. Here's the here's where the rubber meets the road. So like this is all fine and good. But tell me about a time where you got it wrong as a culture carrier. So what, what what's a moment you missed that looking back now, you realize, man, I really needed to lead well on their behalf in that moment. And I may, I may not have seized the moment. What, what, what does that look like for you? I, um, I would say this really came to light for me whenever I stepped into, uh, this campus pastor role, when you feel the weight of an entire campus on you and there's not a pastor or an Onika to turn around and say, Hey, what do we do right now? I don't know. Now they're looking to us to figure it out. And honestly, they don't even know half the things that are happening there. Of course we try to inform them, but uh, what I realized stepping into this role is how much in the early days, I probably drug him down with the little things. Mm. Uh, it, because I'm feeling that weight from our leaders and uh, up north, there is a very, very young team, brand new team. Yep. Uh, they're learning the culture. And I feel the weight on a Sunday morning of like, hey, where does this chair go? Hey, where does this basket go? Where does this go? <laughs> and all of the little bitty things. And the only thing I'm thinking is. I just want to love on people and lead people to Jesus. And I'm answering where a basket goes and things like that. And I realized that I probably did that. Actually, I not probably, I know I did that in the early days where I was bogging my pastor down. Wow. All of these little bitty things when really he's trusting us to figure out where the basket goes and things like that. Maturity and a leader, we all learn from that and we'll grow into that and keep teaching them, keep being patient. I also felt like God kept on saying, be patient with their growth. Look how patient I have been with your growth. And wow. uh, I'm still wow. growing, I'm still learning. But uh, I would say that is us as leaders, us leading second. Uh, free your pastor of the small little things. Mm-hmm. You step in. Uh, pastor Earl has been telling this us this from the very beginning uh, I would rather see you do something rather than nothing. Yeah. We can correct you if you're moving the ball forward, but it's harder to get people moving if you're just sitting there doing nothing. So I'm like, man, okay, okay, let's, let's do that. So good. So well said, man. Um, I would say whenever I've got it wrong, honestly, you know, there've been tough conversations with our pastors and I'm so thankful that they have came and given me the coaching because if your pastors are still coaching you, that means they still see something in you. Right. Say that again. Yeah. So they see, if they still see things in you, they're going to keep coaching you. And so, um, I love that our pastors have been so, um, strong in that to be able to coach us and speak these things to me. And I'll be honest, um, it's been through a lot of tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's true. There's really no other way to cut it. You know, I've done a lot of crying. They've done a lot of crying. Um, but whenever you have pastors and leaders that you know are for you, yep. it makes it so much easier to trust the process. Yep. And so I would say to all the leaders out there that are leading second and they have these moments where they get culture wrong, 
you're going to get, you're going to have those moments. You're going to have times whenever you get your yeah. culture wrong and totally expect to have a tough conversation, but don't give up because it hurts. Yeah. I would yeah. say you have two things to do uh, when you have those tough conversations with your pastor. One would be that you could become offended and you can harbor some ugly root in your heart, um, or you can lean into it and actually seal the words that they're coaching you on in your heart and grow further in your leadership. So you have two options that I feel like um, you can tell when people pick which way or the other. And so for us, we've all learned how vital it is to lean into the coaching um, and not make it about us because then that just stunts your growth overall yeah. um, and lets them know that they're not, you know, that you're not easy to coach, that you're actually a little more complicated. So good. Add something to, I just want to say the greatest question, and I know every leader has probably heard this a million times, but literally this is, this is it. The greatest question you can ask your pastor is, how can I improve? And I'm not yes. talking about a surface level answer. I'm talking about get deep with me. What are things that I have been doing that you feel like has been hindering yeah. the ministry, hindering the church? Um, I, I mean, where you're just, you feel like, if I can be real, you feel like you're sitting there butt naked with your pastor and letting him speak <laughs> to you. Uh, that's what it feels like, but that 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 is the most it's truth thing that you can do. It's truth. It's truth. Casey, what is the best thing your pastor does for you as a leader? I mean, maybe maybe take a minute. Let's pivot. Let's talk to some lead pastors that are listening. Um, what is the best thing that your pastors do for you as a pastor? So they, the best thing is really that they meet with us every single week for an hour or two. And we go through all of the areas that we oversee, all the leaders that we oversee, and we get clear direction from our pastor, clear expectation. And then they also um, give a word to us. Like this is the word that we feel that is on our heart. Um, and literally they have spoken words, um, and, you know, out of scripture, um, that had happened to us that weekend. So they prepared us through scripture and something happened to us that weekend. So spending their time coaching us, training us, um, has been the best thing, but not only that, um, not only just ministry, but they see us as people, they see our family, um, they see our kids, they, they love our family. They love our kids. They pray for us. So that that's great. Every single week is so vital to us being able to be on the same page and to run in the same direction. Um, so that has literally changed the course of um, how my husband and I can lead and how other pastors can lead because we have clear focus, clear direction from our pastor. Um, I feel like before we were doing that, um, it was very, um, you know, we were still running in their lane, but we would catch truths from leadership talks or things like that. But when it was very intentional, it has just helped us grow leaps and bounds um, so good. to poor culture and vision and test. That's great. So good. Anyone else on that? What, what's the best thing they're doing for you right now that's, that's helping you? Uh, I completely agree with Casey. I think that's really, really healthy. Um, I think one of the things that second lead, leaders that are leading second need to continually hear is I trust you. Mm. We heard it so much in the very beginning, but I think I was playing mind games of mm. do they really trust me or right. am I really called for this or am I, do I even have the wisdom or the leadership to lead this? 
And through it all, they just continually tell us over and over and over and over, I trust you. We trust you. We trust you. And there's that saying, uh, by the t- when you're sick of saying it, they're just not getting it. <laughs> totally. I, I can say that's for me for sure is uh, they're probably sick of saying it, but it, I feel like finally it is embedded in my heart of like, oh, I can make decisions. They trust me to make this decision. They trust me in this situation. Um, So uh, I think that especially for young leaders who are coming in, we have all this excitement and energy. We're ready to go and we're moving forward and we make one mistake. That mistake can play a lot of mind games with you for a long time. But there's nothing better when your pastor comes up to you and tells you, come on, get back up. I trust you. Let, yep. Let's do this. Let's keep moving the church forward. Um, so that, that uh, I think it's a. Well, let me ask you this then. How do you build trust with your pastor? What have, what have you found that really helped you to, to gain and build that place of trust? Because trust doesn't, you know, come out of a vacuum somewhere. Um, it's very, very, very intentional. So I guess lean into that for a second, if you would, um, how, how have you built trust with your pastor? Well, I think you have to be, a, first of all, a student with your pastor, because I feel like Pastor Earl, um, you build trust one way, and then Pastor Onika, you build trust another way. And so I think... Um, Interesting. That's great. It's a student of them, first of all. But I think um, keeping them on the process, in the process of everything, being honest with them about the wins, but also the opportunities, you know, in your different areas, I think are a huge thing. And then keeping them updated throughout the whole process. So it's like, if you're asked to do something, you keep them updated in the process. Hey, this is where we're at. This is the status of it. And so that way, um, come Sunday morning, they don't see a totally different thing than what they asked. You know, so I think catching, not catching them off guard with things helps them understand the process and everything that you've been doing. So that builds trust through time. Yep. Well said, well said. It, uh, it, I, I couldn't I say anything better. It does take time. And if they give you the ball and you're called to run with it, you better give it your all. You better put your whole heart into it. Uh, because when if you continue to drop the ball, that's when trust, as far as handing you things, can be uh, dented. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it does take time of just continually being faithful with whatever's put in your hands, small or large. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, I love you all so much. And, um, again, I love, I love your team. I love seeing your team grow like it's growing and, um, man, what a miracle, what a, what an awesome privilege, uh, to be a part of it. So I just loved talking with you guys today. I have one final question. Uh, each of you has to answer this one. Sorry, my rules. Um, I just want to hear you bleed for a second. Why do you love the local church? I mean, why do you, why do you spend your life in ministry and, and building God's church? What does that mean to you? That's such a beautiful question. Um, I would say that I did not grow up in church. And so it was, I was just very lost. And so my heart just breaks truly for those, those women and men who are lost and don't have, um, the father. And so that is why I literally love to lay my life down because I want as many people to be found and to have a relationship with the Lord that I never got to have growing up. That's beautiful. Well said. Um, uh, I, I would say I 
you know, I, I lived a life that I wasn't proud of um, in the past. And uh, my grandmother, she would always pray for me. I mean, she wow. was praying prayers like hell can't have him. Hell wow. can't have him, even though I wasn't living right. And all of a sudden I had this burden, this desire to get up and go to church. No one even invited me. I just like was like, man, I think I need to go to church. And number one, I really I fully believe that it's because my grandmother and others were mm. praying for me to to give my heart to Jesus. But I'm like, if there wasn't a place for me to go, my life would have never been the same. Wow. Wow. My life would I'd still be living the life that I was. And it took someone finally inviting me to Shoreline, Austin, and I walk in and I give my heart to Jesus. And I had people surround me and coach me and uh, help me to become more like Jesus. Uh, that That's the reason why is that there's a there's a place for someone to come yeah. and a place for someone to continue to grow. So good. And, uh, it's just been a life changing moment. So therefore, someone did it for me. I want to do it for as many people as I possibly can. So well said. For me, I would say that I'm just convinced that the church is the answer. And I know that can sound, you know, kind of like a Bible school answer, you know, but I, I don't, I don't, there's just this deep conviction inside of me that the church is the answer. I know, I know we need social reform and I know we need um, government assistance. And I know that there are so many great programs out there that we need and it's healthy and it's right. But I'm just convinced deep down inside that really what we all need is a savior. And Jesus has chosen to God yes. has chosen to use the church. And so I'm extremely humbled and honored to get to be a, a part of the body and the church. And I just, I think it's the answer. So I, I wake up and uh, you feel the burdens of individuals and you hear the stories of things that they're walking through. And it just always in my heart and my brain, the answer is the church, the church, the church. So mm -hmm. um, that would be, you know, for me, the passion that really drives that and why I think it's so important uh, what we do. I love it. So well said. And uh, we'll land the plane there for today. But thanks so much, guys. Uh, be blessed in all you're doing, all you're building. Um, we are we are cheering you on every step of the way. Yeah, we're love cheering you, you on too, man. Love, love you. Well, I hope this conversation encouraged you today. I want to encourage you to stay tuned because we have a couple more great conversations coming up on this subject of being a culture carrier with other great teams. I know it will encourage you and help you today. Also, if this podcast is resonating with you, I want to encourage you to help us make some noise, uh, post about it on social media, uh, subscribe, rate, comment, share, do all of the things. We would count it an honor to be in your world, to have a voice and uh, help us get the word out about the Leading Second podcast. So Leading Second, we love you. So excited that we get to do this together. Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.